Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis after Ohio State's 35-7 win over Youngstown State, which... So I live about 20 minutes from the stadium. So on my drives back from home games, I just... I don't really listen to anything. I just kind of sit in silence and think about what I just watched and think about what I'm going to say on the pod. And now that I'm hosting it, I was I thought a little bit harder than I thought in the past. And I'll say I wasn't thinking before. It's just now i got to host today. And... I want to ask you two both this question before we really get into what happened today. Was this a good game? Ohio State won 35-7. to Was this a good game? Define, define good game. Like, in what context? Like, in, like, a fun, had a great how day at the fans, stadium good game? How should fans feel about what they watched today? Fine. I mean, indifferent, almost? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, it's it's it was a game that... Um, I mean, there should never be FCS teams on the schedule of, of teams of Ohio State's caliber. And in- includes the SEC teams to do it annually. I think it's it's ridiculous. And Ohio State was, you know, pushed into these circumstances somewhat by the San Jose State game getting canceled, whatever. But mm-hmm. um so that 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 really shouldn't ever be happening. Hopefully never ever happens again. We're going to the twelve team playoff, there's there's less re- need for it than ever. There that alone was not going to tell us much about maybe some important questions we have. So it was just, I thought it was sort of a glorified scrimmage. I think you probably saw a little bit of the, uh, there were some, some things about this game were lackluster. I wonder if mm-hmm. the level of opponent spoke to that, you know, uh, talking to after the game, Devin Brown said we scored on six of nine possessions today. And against Youngstown state, it should be nine of nine. And that's not arrogance on his part. That's just no. the truth. Like it's you're talking about two entirely separate levels of football and a team that's supposed to be at the very top of one of those levels, and I think that it may, I imagine it's somewhat difficult to get up for those games when you know a true team like you know Notre Dame is waiting in two weeks. So I don't know. I I think that there we we should you know discuss some individual positions, but as far as whether it was a good game, I don't know that there was any chance of it being a good game. There was either it was either going to be a horrific blowout 
which would be, I guess, um, it would appease Ohio State fans to some extent, but again, doesn't prove anything. It could be a bad, it could be a close game, which would not be a good game. And it could be what it mm-hmm. was, which is kind of a slog, which is also not a good game. So, no, there was really no outcome that would have fit any of my definitions of what a good game is. Same. It was boring, though. It, you know, because at least the, the oh, they wiped the floor with them, you get some fireworks. But this is also, the, the atmosphere of just Ohio Stadium was kind of boring and kind of flat. And I feel like the game masked it. And some of that is because they're who they're playing. It's kind of hard for anybody to get up for a Youngstown State. But it just felt kind of like, you know, eh. So you're right. Let's just get into some individual performances here, and let's start with the quarterbacks per usual. We graded the quarterbacks, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown. Devin Brown graded himself. Kyle McCord wouldn't give it a grade, but he did say some things he liked and what he didn't like. Let's start with Kyle McCord because he started, and we think and we can have that conversation. Kyle McCord today, 14 of 20 for 258 yards and three touchdowns. On a day where Marvin Harrison Jr. got back into the groove, Emeka Ibuka got back into the groove. Our Texers gave him a B. Nathan, I think you gave him a B as well or a B plus. I think Andrew, you were in the B range as well, and I gave him an A minus. What did we just think about Week Two? Kyle McCord, who showed he clearly had shown some improvements from what we saw last week. He spoke about this after the game that coming out of Indiana, where there's a lot that's going into your first game. There's a lot of distractions out there and he, he didn't want to use the word distractions, but I'll use it for him. And um, I'm not excusing anything. I'm just saying there's a lot, I think going on mentally going into that first game, especially for two guys. And and you haven't been named the starter in a full time way. It's you've been like your starting job has been sort of hedged. So I'm sure there's a lot going on in his head. And he said, coming out of that first game this past week, everything kind of settled down. You get into a routine. Like now you're in the, the true game routine it's it's one week you're you're hitting your 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 different you know guideposts along the way and you got to just prepare mentally for this game and that it just felt a little bit more settled for him this week and i thought you saw that in the performance i mean it wasn't a perfect performance again yet i think he's going to probably see some throws that he wants back and um so be it at this stage but i thought you just saw someone who looked a little bit more comfortable and especially as you start to compare to the reps that Devin Brown gets, you see a separation there. Uh, we can discuss whether or not that should be encouraging to Ohio State fans or not. Andrew, Devin Brown, 7 of 13, 101 yards, no touchdown, another 9 yards on 6 carries on the ground. We all gave him a C, which he also did. He gave them a C as well. Go watch those videos if you want to see our explanations for why we gave these grades to these two quarterbacks. What did you think of? Devin Brown's day. Like, did you see anything that made you think this competition needs to continue another week? I'll, I'll put it like this. If Devin Brown, if what he had done today, like if what he did, if the way that he played was the way that Kyle McCord played, I would have not given that a C. I would have given Kyle McCord like a C minus. I would have been like, this is not the progression that you need from week one to week two, you need to be getting better. And so I think kind of relatively, I think with every, you know, he didn't really, I mean, let's not count the Indiana. He didn't play against, I mean, he didn't throw a pass in the Indiana game until the final drive. Like he didn't do much of anything. So for all intents and purposes, this was the first time that he's kind of taken the field and done 
you know, uh, you know, ran the offense like as it was kind of designed, and you know, with some semi-important stakes like on the line, like that's that's fine. It was fine. Like I'm not leaving today going total lost cause or needs another year or anything like that. But I'm also not saying ready now, ready next week, ready maybe by you know the end of the Notre Dame game, like. It's going to take a little bit with with Devin. I think there are going to be some things that you work through. So you know, some good, some bad. I think the the number one thing. You know, I, I mentioned this um, in one of the videos that we did. There was just a moment where you know it drops back to pass, and he got out of the pocket way too quick. The, the pocket was fine, and he just he just got happy feet and got out of there. Like that happens to a quarterback that's a little bit younger, to a quarterback that isn't as experienced doesn't happen to a quarterback that has some game experience. So I don't think that would have happened to Kyle McCord. I just think that for everything that you could take into consideration, which I did last week for Kyle McCord when I gave him a B minus, I think a C is about right. It, it, you know, fine, average. I think those are the words that kind of come to mind with Devin Browns today. I think, I think for me, like the, 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 the deciding factors for Brown might have happened actually later in the game. Like there was a there was the fourth down play where he rolled out and then ended up just taking I don't know if they called it a sack or if he was if it was not a loss I can't remember but like it was a fourth down play in the red zone and it just nothing happened like and, and, and uh-huh. now a week earlier that's where Kyle McCord threw an interception was trying to make something happen on fourth down but that's what you're supposed to kind of do on fourth down, especially yeah. at that level of the field. Like you there's, and, and you know, the game's not in the balance, obviously, but that's where you're supposed to try to make a play. And he just didn't, he didn't try to make a play. He just kind of took the, he gave it up there at the end. And I, I thought that was, that was probably not a sign that I actually take McCord's actions and throwing the interception as being more of what you want from your quarterback in that situation than what happened with Brown there. And then there was a play late um, where he was running down the sideline and, and and ended up like fumbling the ball and it bounced right back to him. But like that was indicative of some of the things we had seen in preseason camp, the flashes, the glimpses we got where he was just a little bit looser with it and was maybe a little bit more prone. And, and you know, there's obviously quarterbacks in in football history who have been a little, you know, the gunslingers out there. I have, you know, Chicago Bears fans still to this day, nightmares about what Brett Favre used to do to them. And Brett Favre would throw a a ton of interceptions, but it came along with a bunch of touchdowns and Super Bowls and MVPs. Like, so all I'm saying, I'm not trying to say that Devin Brown has to be Brett Favre. What I am (laughs) saying is if you're going to be that loose with it, you got to have the top end results along with it. And he's not there yet. I think it's, on the horizon for him, maybe. I think he shows flashes of what he could be someday. But as we have speculated all along, both based on the way Ryan Day talks and what we've seen with our own eyes, I think this game, and I know it's not an equal performance, but I also think the reason it's not an equal performance is because of what happened from January to the start of August and or into the to the end of August, I guess I should say, that has further convinced Ryan Day which of these two guys has the higher floor. I don't think you can be this loose with it with this level of offense, and especially when Ryan Day is complaining this much about the lack of plays. 
And he's not the only coach in the country doing it. A lot of offensive-minded coaches. I mean, Chip Kelly went on the whole – Which, and I I don't want to get into a deep conversation with that. But I do want to take from that the one thing Ryan Day said, and it's like the amount of people that don't get touches because you're missing plays and stuff. I think the – when you lower the level of the number of plays for a play caller like Ryan Day, who likes to get into a groove out there, every play has to be maximized that much more. So you don't have time for a guy who can't see. You got you to gotta see it. It's that, but then also when Ryan Day was running down the quarterbacks and how quickly it took them to get to a place where they were seeing the field at the level, you have to be able to see it to run this offense. He said Dwayne Haskins got it right away. But that's his game. Justin Fields, it took him to the Michigan State game, which was halfway through the season at that point, for him to finally get it. But he had the athleticism, freak of nature athleticism, that allowed him to get away with it the first couple of weeks until he caught up. CJ Stroud saw it. That was what that's his special trait. That he saw it, he saw the field and his ball placement. Those are what were made him special. Kyle McCord saw it better in week two than he saw it against Indiana. And now maybe if Devin Brown gets as many snaps against Western Kentucky as he got today against Youngstown State, maybe he sees it better. But also what we saw today seems to be everything that they've seen in practice is that he hasn't seen it as well sometimes. He does get happy feet sometimes. Sometimes he does leave the pocket quicker than he needs to. He's not as poised in there and doesn't as consistently move the ball down the field. It is a little bit more of a roller coaster while Kyle McCord is a lot more consistent with it. And maybe that's three years into the program, or maybe that's just his skill set where he didn't really see it well the first time. He went and looked at the film, and now he saw it better. And you could tell by some of the decision-making that he had out there in this game. That's what allowed some of that, plus Youngstown State being Youngstown State. But he didn't hesitate when Marvin was deep was deep, was deep and he was open. He even had one throw where I thought like it was a little hook, but it was he was taking a chance. And it's Julian Fleming's going up the middle and it's too high safety. So of course that's where you're looking if you're taking for a deep shot is up the middle and he throws it. Julian Fleming's just not open. But Kyle McCord wasn't attempting throws like that a week before, but he was just seeing it and taking it this week, which let me know I saw some improvement from him. While with Devin Brown I saw some things, but I didn't see anything that made me feel like he's ready to take this job right now. It, I looked at him and thought he might be a year away from being ready to be a full-time starting quarterback here. I think one of the things that you raised that – I'm glad you said that because I kind of thought about that after the game. So Ohio State ran 60 plays today. Mm-hmm. They had nine possessions – and, you know, Ryan Day talked about this a lot. And, and this is, a, I think, you know, this is a really, really good point by you. Like, I don't know. I, I would have to go back and check how many plays that Devin Brown was in for of those 60. I know we throw, I know we threw 13 passes, um, but I don't know how many total plays there were. But already right there, that takes you down to 47. So you're kind of limiting yourself, I think, the more that you do this. Like, you're 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 taking the number. If you want Kyle McCord to get the number, the the maximum number of reps. If you want the number one offense, which I think we all kind of agree at this point that Kyle McCord is the number one guy. If you want the number one offense to be on the field as much as possible, if you want the number one offense to be playing together as much as possible, if you want to keep your offense together as much as possible, you can't. Like you're kind of running out of time to do this because then you're taking. A, I mean, 
I get like if, if Devin Brown really is the number two quarterback, like officially, you are taking, I don't know, 60 minus I don't know, 15, 60 minus 20. Like that that's too many plays to be taking away. Maybe you can do that when you're grabbing 15 possessions a game. You are no longer doing that because the game is a little bit different and the teams that you have played in back-to-back weeks, the Washington Kentucky game might be a little dip, a little bit different. The Notre Dame game is going to be very similar to one of these two games. But Notre Dame is going to try to run the ball on you and they are going to try to run this thing down and beat you up physically. That is what happens here. So yeah, I, I think that you know you can get you could maybe get away with it. You've got to evolve as this whole thing changes and and you kind of figure out this clock thing. I'm not really going to blame them for the first week or two because it was kind of a learning process. Teams didn't really know, you know, how many plays are we really going to lose? How many possessions are we really going to lose? Well, now you know. Now you have an idea, and I just don't think you can start messing around with this for too much longer because then you're just taking what should be reps out of your number one quarterback's hands. So I'm trying to count it up as we go. I haven't counted it up yet. I think Devin Brown may have played more plays than common court today, especially because that, you that, that yeah. the, the, the first series time. is only a, yeah. the first series is only yeah. a three play drive too that common court because mm-hmm. um, he connected on that blown coverage touchdown to, to Marvin Harrison. And listen, like I, to me, it's no longer about, the share of plays in the game. That doesn't matter against Western Kentucky, I don't think. What matters to me is the other question I asked Devin Brown tonight, which is, are you still splitting all the number one reps in practice evenly? And he said, yes. They are rotating just as they have going back to bowl prep. I don't know. Like, like mm-hmm. <laughs> They're still splitting. They're still rotating number one reps. I think that's got to stop because yeah. – I, there's there is a difference here. I think everyone sees the difference now between where Common Court is at and where Devin Brown is at. You can argue that the fact that they have given Common Court more of a chance in these last two games is reflected in that. I don't know if I'm even going to argue back about that, but I think there's a reason why he picked Common Court to have that balance. And now I think in order to give yourself the best chance to beat Notre Dame, you need to give him the lion's share not of the game reps against Western Kentucky, although that helps too, but he's got to be taking as many number one offense reps in practice as he can for the next two weeks. I don't under, I I almost think it would be like borderline malpractice to go even just one more week where you're still rotating both guys evenly with the number one offense. I don't see the, I don't see the benefit to that at this point. I think Andrew, you've mentioned many times there's a bye week waiting after the Notre Dame game. Ryan Day likes to use this term, uh, well, we're going to do such and such and then come up for air. Because I guess Ryan Day just did a lot of deep sea diving living off the coast of the Atlantic or whatever. <laughs> it's just, But it's one of the Dayisms. He, like, he brings that up all the time. So here's what I think should happen in the coming week. Tuesday, DeBittle is going to ask uh, the first question at the press conference. He's going to say, hey, Ryan, or is Kyle your starting quarterback? And Ryan Day will maybe kind of lie to us a little bit. I, if I were Ryan Day, I would lie to me and the rest of us in that room oh, yeah, and say, for sure. well, we're going to evaluate it this week after practice. Because there's no, why tell us? There's no reason to tell us. Tell mm-hmm. Kyle McCord and tell Devin Brown what you want behind the scenes and come in the room and tell us whatever. Like, I I don't advocate usually for coaches to just outright lie to us. And maybe I'm saying he shouldn't lie to us, but I guess I'm not saying he should. I'm saying I expect him to do that. I expect him to strategically answer that question. 
And then Kyle McCord gets all the number one reps in practice this week or the lion's share of them. Instead of 50-50, maybe it's two-thirds, maybe it's 75%, something like that. You're still keeping Devin Brown involved. That's pro- that's Frankly, that's almost a normal usage in some programs where like you want to keep the backup still involved somewhat with the number one offense, but the, but the main guy gets the main guy's stuff. And then he plays as the true starting quarterback against Western Kentucky, and you start to build some momentum towards Notre Dame. So tell us whatever you want, but I think you've got to go in and make him the true QB one and let him operate as a true QB one for two weeks. And then as Ryan Day is fond of saying, win or lose against Notre Dame, you come up for air. And now you've got a week of the bye week where you get to work on specific things. You get to reevaluate some things. And I'm not above, I've never been above being four and O, five and O, whatever and O, and deciding, you know what? This has flipped. We actually see the performance is is for Devin is coming along. We want to give him more of a shot again. I, I think there's a point where you can still do that. But I think for right now, it's 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 progressing towards a game that is uncommon on your schedule. Like Notre Dame isn't like every other game on this schedule. Not just the fact that it's on the road. And who cares what people are ranking them right now? It's a different level of team than Purdue and Maryland and Rutgers and these two teams they just played. So you've got to start preparing for that game in a different way. I think you've got to start taking it a little bit more seriously. And I think those practice reps are much more crucial over these next two weeks than whether McCord seeds a series to Brown here or there against Western Kentucky. I think you got to yeah, like think- it on the idea of what the offense looks like under Kyle McCord because it, it's a big playbook and everybody's learning the same stuff, but you're not calling the same stuff for everybody on game day. What you call when Justin well, Fields was your quarterback, what you call when C.J. Stroud was your quarterback, what you call when Dwayne Haskins was your quarterback are not the same on game day. And I, I, when even today on Saturday, the things they were calling when Devin Brown was in the game versus what they were calling when yeah. Kyle McCord was in the game was not the same call get, play sheet. It was the same offense, but it wasn't the same decisions of what they were actually going to run. You need to lock in on who your starting quarterback is and run with that and how you call plays, how you develop an offense around that person. And so that's why I think it's so important that whether he tells us on Tuesday or not, the actions on the football field during practice over the next week need to be building this offense around Kyle McCord over the next two weeks. So when you go into that Notre Dame game, whatever we saw against Youngstown State is how whatever percentage more than what we saw when we get to the Notre Dame game because you gave him two full weeks of just being the guy and you built your offense and your play sheet around that idea. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about here is I think you bring up a really good point. Like how many like they have to practice quarterback counter with the first string offense. Mm -hmm. How many times are they actually going to call that for common court? But they have to practice it in the week leading up to a game because they will call it for Devin Brown and and other like design runs. And and as I've always said, I thought I think the difference of them between them as runners is a little bit inflated in the popular opinion. But you're not going to call some of those plays for common court. So again, it takes off. It, it's affecting your game plan to some extent. So I think it's just, it's time. It's time to make a commitment and then make a reassessment after Notre Dame. You give Kyle two weeks, you give him, you know, yeah, you've been splitting the reps, but okay. You show up this week and you say, you know what? Kyle's a guy. He's number one, number one, we're going to roll with him. 
He's going to do everything. He's going to be the leader in this and the leader in that. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to roll with him because I think you need to think of this in best and worst case scenarios, because the best case scenario is what? Okay. Kyle McCord has shown that he's, he improved from week one to week two. I don't know anybody who would say that he did not. Now, again, I understand that Indiana is a different competition than what, than Youngstown state. I do, but no one will say that he looked worse this week than he did last week. So the best case scenario for Ohio State is that he looks good and then you just commit to the guy now. You did the whole, we're going to have a battle. You did that whole song and dance. And Kyle McCord's the guy. And then hooray, everybody can have a parade for Kyle McCord. He's the starting quarterback. The, and then you just roll with him the rest of the season and then you get to the offseason. The worst case scenario you're not, I, I've said this for weeks. I don't know that you're going to see a ton that's going to make you like really, really, really question your quarterback play going into the Notre Dame game. So I think the worst case scenario here is Kyle's the number one guy this week. He's the number one guy next week. And then against Notre Dame, he poops his pants and it just becomes a disaster. And they lose, and Kyle McCord either doesn't look good or has a bunch of turnovers or missing easy reads or throw how however you find disaster however you want to define disaster it happens in south bend okay well then you're coming out of that you you have the bye week and then does purdue you have a road big 10 game and then you I, i know maryland's at home maryland's a little bit different than youngstown state but you have a road big 10 game purdue and indiana I mean, Purdue's better, but they're not exactly like playing Penn State, and they're not exactly – it's not exactly like playing Penn State in Minnesota. I'll say that. So you, you get a similar kind of test with Devin Brown You if you come out of the bye week and say, okay, well, maybe we need to go back to this whole what are we going to do. So th- there's options here that can be a buildup because then you have two games after the bye week that lead into Penn State. You had two games after the Indiana game that lead into Notre Dame. This should be, I mean, Kyle McCord kind of had, he had a really good day today, I think. You have this game, you have next game, you lead into Notre Dame. And then if it doesn't work, if it's a total disaster where Kyle's, his confidence is shattered, everything is in tatters, the whole thing is being reevaluated, then you can go into the bye week. Maybe you lean a little bit more on Devin, and then you still kind of have that two-week stress test to go into Penn State. And then, worst comes to worst, you have to yo-yo this the whole season. I don't think they're going to have to, but you're going to have some lead-up and some dry runs here before you get to Notre Dame, before you get to Penn State. Did Kyle McCord show anything the first two weeks that let any of you, either of you think that there's even a chance that Notre Dame is a disaster? I, I would be surprised I just wanted to throw disaster. that out there as a hypothetical. I know. I mean, I, I just... I, I think we're past that. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think the worst he's. I think the worst ca- possibility for Kyle McCord against Notre Dame is C.J. Stroud against Oregon. The worst quarterback game I think I've seen since 2019, since I started this, was actually Stroud against Tulsa in yeah. 2021. But that was a that was an injured yeah. Stroud, and they also got to really rely on the running game. So I think that's maybe what's lingering for me as a concern if you're an Ohio state fan is um, right now, the, the, the right now the line's protecting for the pass pretty well. I think it's, it's really good actually, which is surprising. Yeah. And it's not 
really getting the job done run blocking and it, or it's it's encountering some real problems. I mean, you had, you know, the holding penalties on the early in the game and Josh Simmons is still struggling with some things and that's so if you can't if he does encounter any issues or if he's or if he's just fine but mm-hmm. not that next level, then do you can you rely on your running game to bail you out against a better team than than Youngstown State is because they could that night against Tulsa. They just turned things over to Trevion Henderson. And what I the reason I I want to make sure this is clear. I'm not saying that Kyle McCord needs to be awarded the next two weeks as the number one because he's just been so glorious. What I'm saying is he clearly does need to get better at some things. I think mm-hmm. he would be the first person to say that. Seems like a a, a somewhat humble guy in terms of like assessing his performance. Uh, confident, but realistic and wanting to get better. And that's what has to happen these next two weeks. And I think mm-hmm. it happens. He has to get better than what he's been these two weeks to beat Notre Dame. He is ahead of Devin Brown. So give him two weeks of practice to go do that, to go be the best possible Kyle McCord yeah. he can be. And, and then the offensive cohesion be the best it can be for that game in two weeks. I think if you don't do that, then I don't know what the, I don't know what's what's the bang that you're getting for that buck you know what i'm saying like what's the what's the out what is your long-term outcome that makes it worth that risk i don't understand so that's what i'm ultimately saying is there's still development that has to happen there's still improvement that has to happen and i don't think he can get all the improvement he wants and needs and that ohio state wants and needs for him by splitting half the reps in practice the next two weeks no i think that's i'm with you I am. I don't think he's earned it because he looks like a Heisman Trophy candidate. I think he's just been better than the guy he's going up against. So how about you maximize his ability to potentially be a Heisman Trophy candidate by getting down that path? And that's two totally different things. The Heisman candidate stuff, if he's going to be that this year, we're not going to find that out until Notre Dame anyway. But you got to set him up to at least put himself in a position to do so when you get to South Bend. Our Texas gave Kyle McCord to be, at least 76% of them did. Devin Brown, 63% C. So Devin Brown gave him a C. We gave him a C. Our Texas gave him a C. And then overwhelming 86% of the Texas think that Ohio State should just stick with one quarterback for the Western Kentucky game. We're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to touch on some offensive stuff when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back on Buckeye Talk, sign up for the text 614-350-3315. I'm telling you. This is actually the perfect window for you. I'm telling you, this is a great window. You get the Western Kentucky game and you get the Notre Dame game. Sign up for the text. We were texting all types of stuff. We had somebody in our text say, please don't text so much on game day. I can't make you that promise. I can't. We're going to text a lot on game day. But, you know, I would rather give you too much than not enough. And that's what we do here at Buckeye Talk. We give you too much than not enough. Nathan, it's week two. And the offensive line is still, I don't think it's the only, well, I think it's the only problem. It's not the only thing I'm intrigued about, but we can get into that on a later date. Did the offensive line look better, worse, or the same, in your opinion, against Youngstown State? 
I don't know that it looked worse. I think it's still concerning, though, that there are issues. It's, it, was, it was just such a bad trend. You start the game, Carson Hensman has a hole on the first series. Josh Simmons has a hold on the second series. <laughs> now you're thinking like so you're two for two and you're thinking like, well, man, are they just going to, is this going to be like some kind of Cal Ripken like streak that they put together here? And then, and then later in the game, you like Josh Simmons committing the hands to the face. It takes a touchdown off the board. Like these are not, we were talking, I was talking with somebody later. I mean, we might as well talk about Simmons specifically and I'm not piling on a guy. It's not his fault that Ohio state, desperately needed a left tackle and then reached into the portal and pulled him up an entire level of, of power five football and stuck him at left tackle. That's not, it's not his fault to do that. He just has to play good now, but he had a ton of penalties last year at San Diego state too. I think it was like 17 penalties. And I remember pointing said, I, that out. We, yeah. We were, we were talking about that during the game. Cause I, we may have talked about that at some point, but I didn't realize it until just then he had 17 Ohio state's entire offensive line last year had 31. In 13 games. So (laughs) five guys combined for 31 in 13 games. Right. So again, I thought that, and I pointed that out before he signed, when he signed, like, like this is part of the adjustment. I mean, this guy is already going to be stepping up a level of football and he's going to have to play better than he played at that lower level of football. And he's not right now. It's talking to somebody after the game and they were like, well, you know, at least it's, you know, last year, I think a lot of those were false starts. And I was like, well, I would take a false start over yeah. like taking a touchdown off the board <laughs> or a holding that knocks you back 10 yards. I mean, it's concerning that he's still having that trouble, especially against this level of opponent. Now, I am not a, a film guru, nor have I even gone back and looked at the film, because I think you have to look at the offensive line in, in some detail to make a, a true assessment. But, man, it's a lingering problem that they've got to fix. And un- unlike quarterback... It's not like they're getting a adequate level of play there. And so that that thing I said before about getting through that Notre Dame game and coming up for air, Notre Dame is going to be able is going to have enough athletes that it can scheme things up and try to victimize you through the one big weakness you have. And if it's still this big of a weakness, I think that's what they'll try to do. And like, I don't know, Javante Jean Baptiste was played a lot of played a lot of snaps for Ohio State the last few years. So I know that he wasn't going to play here this year and that's why he transferred to Notre Dame, but it's not like Ohio State wasn't putting him on the field the last couple of years. So and and if they've got better ends than that and I bet they do, then you see where I'm going with this. Like it could be a real problem. So they've got to coach him up these next 2 weeks or they got to figure something else out. I think during during pregame I think Andrew, I know you were watching, and Zen Mahalski was playing left tackle with the two. They had him at left tackle on the second mm-hmm. team, yeah. Yeah, so now there's a lot of options there, um, whether it's him, whether it's Tegra Shibola, whether it's Luke Montgomery, whether it's moving Josh Fryer back over there and going with a different right tackle, which actually I think is probably possibly what would happen because Josh Fryer's been maybe the most consistent guy they've had so far. But it's it's that's where, I mean – Quarterback should be the biggest problem for this team right now. Any Ohio State team, like in a vacuum, a first-year starting quarterback should be your biggest issue as you look ahead to Notre Dame with everything else that they have on the field. And through no fault of Josh Simmons's, put they put a lot on his shoulders to fix a problem that these grown men who make a lot of money didn't fix over the past five years. Before you go, I Andrew, think- I just want to clean something up real quick. Ohio State as a team, the entire offense 
had 31 penalties last year. The starting oh, okay. offensive line of Paris Johnson, Ma- Donovan Jackson, Luke Whipler, Matthew Jones, and Dewan Jones had 17. When Dewan oh, led so that way was, with eight. Yes. He was the so equalizer. he had as many as the entire starting line, with a lot of that being Dewan Jones getting those false starts and then uh, Luke Whipple having snap infractions and whatnot. But that's what we're, t- we're talking about. An entire offensive line had 17. One guy last year had 17. Go ahead, Andrew. Well, I was going to say to the – well, I have something to add on that. But to the John, uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste point, I know as soon as you said that, uh, there were a lot of people listening to this who immediately went to worst-case scenario, and they just thought of this scene where Ohio State's going to be winning 28-24 in the fourth quarter, and Javante Jean-Baptiste is going to beat Simmons off the edge and force a sack fumble, and Notre Dame's going to get the ball. And I know a lot of people just kind of had that. Is That was why I was laughing. I know a lot of people kind of had immediate, oh, no, worst-case scenario. I think, to your point, I think today was kind of like – it wasn't – a close relative, but it was like a cousin of last week's offensive line. Like last week's offensive line, like what did you see? All right, a lot of mental errors. All right, this you know the run blocking wasn't good, and and you could point a lot of it to. All right, well, you know, hey, look, they didn't they didn't fit this run right. You know, they didn't block this scheme correctly. He, you know, this guy should have turned here, or this guy should have turned here, and this guy missed the wrong guy. And Ryan Day kind of said that, and, and I think sometimes you can get a little bit of coach speak. I don't really think that was coach speak. I think he watched that film like we're we're more talented than these guys, and these were self inflicted errors. Obviously, they're more talented than Youngstown State's defensive line, but the errors were not, at least not on first glance, were not. Oh no, Josh Simmons! You know he went to the second level when he should not have gone to the second level, or something like that. There was you mentioned the penalties. Josh Simmons got away with another hands to the face call on Trevion Henderson's touchdown run. Like, he took the guy's helmet, I think, either off or, like, to the thing where his chin strap was at his forehead. So, like, they got away with another one there. And, and I, again, you said not to pile on the guy, but, I, I mean, he hasn't really played super well in the last two weeks. And this is – you're right. This is a unit where against Youngstown State, you're going to – you'll be okay. You'll figure it out. Against Indiana, you'll be okay. You'll, you'll figure it out. The same thing with Western Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, they'll be okay. You know, whatever. You play Notre Dame. You play Penn State. You play whoever. And I know the Notre Dame game is a little more important because it's in the immediate future. But, like, you play one of these teams. Forget the mental errors. You can't have a whole – you can't have the mental errors, but you can't also have a holding call because you can get a – you can – what it, what was the um, – like the, the the I know it was a penalty, but it was like third and twenty five. I think the Youngstown State committed that late hit out of bounds, uh, and it gave him a first down. I think it was third and twenty five. So mm-hmm. like you're not. I understand that was a penalty, but like you can convert a third and eighteen or a second and eighteen. Excuse me, against Youngstown State, you can, you can make that up. It is a heck of a lot harder to do that against much less the. I mean Notre Dame's and Wisconsin's and Penn State's of the world. The Big Ten. Like you, you can't have these mental mistakes. But today was a problem because they, you know, th- their their technique was, I think, more of an issue today than it was last week. And you saw that with the penalties. So, yeah, the the offensive line. This is a thing. Like this, this is. I, I know it was a thing going into the season, but this is like confirmed a thing. Like this is this is a little dicey. Well, and, I mean, and you guys, what well, Day was saying about the talent too wasn't 
wasn't just relative to Youngstown State. The way he said it was, we sure. can do it. I know we have the talent. He's talking about just mm-hmm. in general. He thinks he looks at this offensive line and sees enough talent to be out doing the things that they're not doing. So he mentioned, you know, uh, scheme. Like, or do we have the? Are we using the right scheme? Do we have the right scheme? Like his his one of his other dayisms. It's always about Man. talent scheme or coaching personnel and oh, yeah, and yeah. and the talent is with the, the talent isn't going to just get better overnight like they already they already missed the talent wagon on this <laughs> like they have who they have so what are you doing with scheme and what are you doing as a coach to push these guys up a level because until you do this is going to linger and, and it's going to be a concern going into as as andrew's saying big 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 games that against the level of athlete that some of these other teams so far just don't have. I am wondering how much of the decision to flip Josh Simmons to Josh Fryer was the pass pro. Because um, we've said it for two weeks now. The pass pro isn't the issue. He's not getting holding calls and hands to the face calls and pass pro. This is coming in the run blocking situations. So it's almost like, I mean, you know what I'm going to think. I just think they should just throw the ball every single well, time. But in all seriousness, it's like the issue. You, the reason they did it was probably because you had a brand new starting quarterback and you wanted to protect him as much as possible. So you put your best pass pro guy on the on his backside. But the backfire seems to be that in the run game, he struggles, which I I can't seem to wrap my head around how an offensive just typically. Offensive linemen, regardless of what area of the country they're from, run blocking comes easy because your job is to go maul somebody. And every offensive lineman wants to pin their hair back and go maul somebody. And the pass pro takes a couple of years. But with Josh Simmons, it's flipped, and it's very weird, and I'm not really sure how to even gauge that. I To – to go, this is a, this is kind of an adjacent point. So I, I don't I don't mean to take us off topic here. Um, but Stephen and I halftime is twenty minutes, and Stephen and I spent fifteen sixteen minutes of this halftime talking about kind of Ohio State's short yardage play calling situations, and he he made some good points. Like because I kind of come from the belief like at some point it's going to have to be hashtag RTDB. Like at some point you're gonna have to do that, do the whole get low, fire off, hat on a hat thing. You're gonna have to do that at some point. But Steven's point was kind of, I don't care if it's certain to throw the ball, spread them out, throw the ball. And I think I still kind of disagree a little bit with that. But if that's what this offensive line can do, and frankly, they if if they're still gonna have struggle running the ball, I do wonder how much of this offense is gonna have to evolve over the next couple of weeks. If this becomes a thing, like, cause I think for Western Kentucky, you can still kind of work on it. If you get to the Notre Dame game and you're in the second quarter and you're just not getting any push, I think you have to hit the eject button on that real quick. Like you can't mess around in games like that. You just kind of have to say, you know what? We can't run block. We're going to throw. We have to throw it the whole game. And and I wonder how much of this evolution is going to happen here over these next couple of weeks with the offensive line. I have two things to say about that. Number one, I immediately thought about the short yardage situations when Ryan Day was complaining about only having 60 plays. I'm like, okay, well then maybe don't do the same run you always do on third and three. <laughs> and then, you know? Push yourself into fourth down. And now they convert the fourth down. In fact, they converted it into a touchdown. They threw a little swing pass out to Mechabuka and he took it 28 yards for a touchdown. That's part of it. Like maybe you need to have a little bit more urgency in the way you call some of those third downs. Um, 
and they have to defend the third downs better than they did today too. But also, um, you know what else makes it easier to RTDB is when you're not so predictable about what you're going to do on third down. Like if you spread it out more and, and do, so this may all be, I think he is trying to prove a point on those runs in these games. I think we, the full judgment on these decisions has to probably wait until Notre Dame. It could be that the first third and two against Notre Dame, they throw it. Um, they spread it out and throw it. We'll see uh, the first third and three. But I, I'm so I'm giving him some benefit of the doubt to, for that. But a, a year ago when we had these discussions, Stephen, I was the one of the three of us yeah. on the pod at the time who was like, no, you do have to actually have some run pass balance. You do actually have to once in a while line up. The other team knows you're going to run it. You still win that battle. I was the one still advocating that. But Did I am you? much more in the camp now of, okay, you are beating your head against the wall a little bit. Like he even said in, pra- in, in the press conference on Tuesday this week, like we're not going to beat our head against the wall in answer to your question. Well, what do you yeah. call this? Like, well, If this is not beating your head against the wall, I, what is? Welcome. I want to welcome you too to this side. Of- I'm not all the way. I'm not as far on your side I know, yet. I know. I'm, I'm I know, just I know. You're, you're in the, dipping you, a toe. Listen, you're, 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 yeah, you're like creeping you're, over. You're, and I'm like, come on. Come on over. You're it's like, look, you, 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 it's well, like, we all have pets. Well, Andrew, you don't have a pet. Nathan, you have a pet. You not. know when you like have made something that smells good and you can just see your pet just peep out? Like, hmm, what you got over there? That's you right now. You're peeping around the door. Like, I see you over there. Well, I'll see you in a couple the, weeks, Nathan. Andrew, the example come, that on I, over. The exa- come on well, over. Come on over. The example come. that I was going to use, and, and I hope I – will make myself not seem, you know, as young as people think I am when I say this. His home improvement was Wilson, right? Who would just he would look over the fence. That's what that's yeah. right. that's the example yeah. that I was going to say. Come when on over. Uh, when you before you cut it with the with the <laughs> Yeah, come on over. But you know last year I think we learned Nathan because Michigan game in those situations they threw it. Now they didn't execute it because you probably should have thrown the Marvin Harrison Jr. instead of Kate Silver in that situation. But that was more – CJ just didn't put enough touch on that. In those moments, whether it was Michigan, whether it was Penn State, when the games are serious, they just threw the ball. And then Georgia was the ultimate, we're only going to throw the ball. I think they I, I, they might have had an actual running back run the ball in that game maybe eight times. Maybe. And one of them was in the goal well, line situation – Depending on how you want to classify uh, Xavier Johnson in a game like that, of course. I don't think they need to be the Georgia extreme every single game because every game doesn't call for that. But I do, as I even said on Tuesday, which I could have just asked today if I got called on, why not just make the fourth down play the third down play? Because then you're maximizing the play, which gives you another play, so you're not complaining at the end of the game that you missed out on 15 plays. You the, know, to to go to the to go to the point that you were saying, just for just for reference here, uh, Ohio State ran the ball 32 times against Georgia. I pulled this up. Dallin Hayden nine carries, C.J. Stroud 12, Xavier Johnson six, Mayan Williams okay. three, Mecca Buka two. So. Uh, Mayan Williams had three, Dallin Hayden had nine. Those were the only two running backs, or you know, so you had 12 running backs, right? Or 12 carries for your running backs, excuse me. But yeah, and, and none of those 12 Stroud carries that I can remember were designed, were designed. they were except, well, no, one was, but that run got called back for a penalty when they had like a QB power situation. Okay, but to your point, right. yes, yeah, right, right. all of his documented runs were scrambles, which now, in that game, I get that you don't have to do that every week, but when you get on a playoff stage, yeah. 
And now that game is also a little bit of an outlier because they didn't have running backs. Like they were down to (laughs) lower levels with their running backs uh, or what seemed like lower levels at the time. And Chip Traynham not looking like such a lower level running back, maybe at the start of this year. And and, and we'll see about Dallin Hayden. But you know what I'm saying? Like they didn't have their starters. Mm -hmm. They didn't have Henderson or Williams. So that affected how they approach that game. But I guess it's fair to ask whether it should. But it's it's just so I wrote this um, at halftime, the halftime scribbles, and it's something I've said on the pod, but that fans are frustrated because it just seems so predictable and doesn't work. And Ryan Day is frustrated because Ohio State will sometimes run the ball great. Like they ran the ball really well. Then Trevin Henderson had some really nice runs tonight. And then they get to these third and short situations and they don't. And everybody's correct. I think (laughs) like everybody, it's one of those rare times where like, Oh, well, everybody's right. But I think by doing more of that first thing, it'll make it easier for them to do the second thing. He said something weird today about the fact that there's less play. So it it makes him want to throw the ball more. Good. Brian day. You come on over to this side too. We're going to take one more break and then we're going to touch on the defense, which they gave up a touchdown, but I mean, I don't know. They they gave up a touchdown because of a couple of situations happened. So we'll get into that when we come back here on Buckeye talk. Youngstown State can say they put up more points on Ohio State than Indiana did. Andrew, I'll start with you. What did you think of the defense? You asked this question right off the hop. What did I forget the exact phrasing, but it was like, what, you know, was it a fun game? It was fine. There was a whole lot of fine today. I understand there are a lot of people who were kind of say, who were sitting there saying, like, hey, look, you know, Ohio State should beat Youngstown State like Steven predicted 63 to seven or 70, 70 to nothing or something like that. Like that, there are a lot of, and I, and I understand that. And I think there is kind of this notion that, yeah, they, they probably should, they probably should be able to do that. Um, you know, here's the thing though. If you could, t- I've been thinking about this for hours and I'm still struggling to come up with the correct words because I don't think it was necessarily like great, but I also don't think, that they necessarily could have done anything today besides like, again, the ridiculous something where it's like, all right, Youngstown state has 25 total yards of offense. Like nothing could have really impressed me. I I, I don't know. It, it was a really hard game to judge from that, um, from that perspective. You know, I know they did get after the quarterback. They got two sacks, but like after the game, Denzel Burke said it was a disappointing win. Um, and he, you know, I, you know, we were just talking about there's a lot of little things we got to clean up. There's a lot of things that we just, you know, we as a defense addressed it. We know what we need to do better. Um, you know, and he said his exact quote was, we were supposed to mug those boys and we didn't. And we were supposed like, that was kind of the thing. I think Devin Brown said something similar. Uh, as I think one of you guys brought that up. Like the line closed at 45 and a half. And this was a 28 point win for Ohio State. Like. Ohio State kind of, I think they understand that they could have played better on both sides of the ball, but like the defense, it was just such a hard game to evaluate because are you going to be mad that they gave up one touchdown to Youngstown State? I guess you can. I guess you can say that that shouldn't happen because of the talent disparity, but like that was all they gave up, right? Like that, that was it. You know, Youngstown State really didn't do much of anything the rest of the game. Um, I mean, they had 59 total plays, they had 234 yards, and a lot of those yards came, I think, like in the last like drive or last two drives or something like that. So I, 
I think an incomplete is the best way to summarize up what I am saying. It's just because I don't know how I'm supposed to look at this Ohio State defense. Unless, like, when I go back on the rewatch, maybe there's some glaring, you know, hey, that, like on the deep throw that Youngstown State threw on the first drive, maybe there's some glaring, you know, hey, the safety should have came over the top or something like that. Maybe there's something like that. But I just look at this as like, how, how, how do I judge what this means for Notre Dame, for Penn State? For Michigan, I, I don't know. So I think an incomplete is probably the way that I would have to grade it, just because they're Youngstown State just they didn't really pose much of a challenge. Well, I think last year was supposed to be you know it's the first year of Jim Knowles. You're supposed to be resetting the baseline a little bit. It was a step forward from 2021, but not enough of one. And 2023 was supposed to be a bigger step forward from 2022, and mm-hmm. it sure looked like it. I know Indiana's not good, but they really smothered him in Week One. And then to have Youngstown State come out so early in the game and make a drive like they did, I think is going to linger in fans' minds and probably create some doubt. And I think that that's fair, especially considering some of the things that were happening in there. The the long completion that Cam Martinez gave up, and I, you can we can argue about how much of that is his fault, how much of that, which I I would probably still argue that it is. I mean, he's a fourth year player and he's going up against Youngstown State, like. I, you got to, you got to make that play. play. I think yeah. a little bit better, but but also it came on a play. I'm pretty sure I haven't gone back and watched it, but I like I, I, my recollection is there was a blitz on that play, and so once again yeah. you're leaving these safeties in in some one on one situations, and it was something that hurt them last year a lot of times. So like if I'm a fan and I'm watching that, that just feels a little bit too reminiscent of last year. Youngstown State today seven of fifteen on third down, and I. Mm-hmm. This is one of those games where sometimes, like get throwing a raw number out that out there like that is tricky. How many of them came against who was in the game, all that stuff. But again, anecdotally, it sure felt like they were getting a lot of third downs. That was another thing that factored into how few offensive plays Ohio State played in a game like this. And if the other team is trying to keep the ball away from you, there's to some extent there's not much you can do about that but this also isn't 1940s basketball with no shot clock where they can just play they can just run it down and and you know what i'm saying like you yeah. they you you do have some control over this so i think they have to go back and break this down and steven you and i may talk about this more for monday's podcast when we take a closer look at this but they you i think the defense didn't do a good enough job of getting off the field on third down in this game and there were definitely a play like that, like that and how much that directly contributed to what we then saw the rest of the game, which was Hancock and a lot of Jordan Hancock in the nickel, which is something that we knew was coming, which they had talked about throughout preseason camp. He had been up front about it. Jim Knowles had been up front about it that, yeah, we're using him there a little bit. And we wondered if that was going to be a big thing or if it was just sort of a wrinkle. And I think it's going to be a big thing. I think he's going to play a lot in passing situations. I think Jordan Hancock is probably going to have a big role against Notre Dame. It it definitely seemed today that they became much more comfortable with in third and long. Mm -hmm. Sonny Styles just comes off the field. And now Jordan Hancock is in there at nickel. So now you're putting a third cornerback on the field. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I think it would be unfortunate if things were so bad, they had to do it earlier than that. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they like what Sonny Styles gives them on more conventional downs 
maybe even mm-hmm. sometimes on third down, third and short. I, I assume he'll stay out there. But on these longer third downs, I think it makes a lot of sense to better to maximize the talent available and get a third cornerback out there. And Ryan Day said after the game today, the Josh Proctor, that is not a long-term injury. He was questionable today. He didn't uh, start, didn't play. He did come out for warm-ups, was in uniform and everything. But it, I thought that was all leading towards a, 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 a day where he just didn't play. Had his left ankle wrapped. No reason to push him against Youngstown State. And assuming he's back in the mix, um, you got Malik Hartford who got his first start today. I, I think they like the depth that's there overall. And they've just got to find a way to not have those sorts of breakdowns. And I think it's still a combination of, okay, sure, Jim Knowles has to really be careful about what he's doing there. But I I'm, I still feel kind of the same way I did last year about it, which is uh, once in a while you're on an island and you, you put them on an island. You make them have to make a really right decision, a really right read, and a really right throw all at the same time. And it's happening. It's paying off for the other team too often. And I, I think I still blame the personnel more than I blame the Jim Knowles decision. I think those DBs, maybe they're not being coached up enough to make the play happen, but I think you've got to once in a while be able to dial that play up and think that the guy in coverage there is going to make the play. I had three straight off the rip observations after the game. And obviously those will grow when we get to the Monday impossible check, check back for that one. Denzel Burke got a pick, so the streak is dead. And that 19 was 19 games. I, that was imp- that was an impressive pick because, like, I called it out as it's happening. He had perfect technique. He looked back for the ball, and the ball is mid in the air. And I'm like, yeah, Denzel's picking this off, and he picked it off. Denzel Burke, two weeks in a row where he's showing signs that he is back and maybe in a, a lot better than he was as a freshman so far. He has been Davison Igbenosin has been really handsy and. I think he gives up a lot, but he's also on the field side, so maybe I'll give him some reprieve there. But Denzel Burke has clearly been the best quarterback in that room so far. My second observation was, and I said this to Nathan, I'm going to spend all next Saturday watching the defensive line, from the rotations to just how people are playing, because I would look every so often, and I'm not going to make a too big a deal of the sacks, because they haven't played teams who are going to drop back and just throw it yet. But in the run game, I didn't see edges being set the way they needed to be set at times. And a lot of times it was Jack Sawyer who was having that issue. I'm not, the play is not there right now from the defensive line. And next week, Western Kentucky is going to air it out. So they there there's things I want to see next week. So I'm going to spend that entire week next Saturday watching that. But I'm not impressed with the defensive line through two weeks so far. The third thing, you mentioned it, Nathan. This is the second year in a row where the defensive back coaches have noticed an issue and immediately fixed it. Last week against Indiana, they played Cameron Martinez one meaningful snap, and then they didn't play him again in a meaningful snap, but a lot of that was the play of Indiana where they were running triple options, so you couldn't. This week, they did it again. First third and long situation, they take Sonny Styles out the game for Cameron Martinez. Very next play, he gets beat. That's the last time we see Cameron Martinez in a meaningful snap. They go with Jordan Hancock, and I'm with you. If And I even asked Jim Knowles about it on Tuesday. If they're not there yet with Sonny Styles and coverage situations on third and long, and they're going to go with a guy at nickel who's more of a cover guy, put the corner back on the field and stop putting the safety out there to when now you want to blitz and you're putting the safety one-on-one and it's not going to work. They had it with Cameron Martinez on the deep 36-yard pass, then it happened again on the touchdown where Lathan Ransom got caught up. Why not just do what we saw in 2019? 
where they had three, essentially three corners on the field. With now, he was on the field all the time. Sean Wade was, but you essentially had your top three corners: Jeff Okuda, Dave Miranda, and. Sean Wade on the field in those situations so you weren't worried about third and long coverage situations so if there is typically going to be a three-man rotation on the outside corner spots where you're playing two and then you sit one I think Jordan Hancock probably should just be your nickel as well when he's not playing outside and it's third and long and you want to take Sonny Styles off the field put Jordan Hancock there because then it wasn't a problem the rest of the game I think Jordan Hancock maybe gave up two catches and there neither one of them went for much they went for like maybe four or five yards each with him immediately making a tackle those were the three things I noticed immediately plus Malik Hartford started but I think Jihad Carter played most of the game and I was kind of underwhelmed with what I saw and maybe some of that is uh, Josh Proctor was so good last week, and we've heard so many good things about Malik Harford that I was expecting a certain standard of play, but I didn't think he was great. I thought he was okay at best. So that's I, that's where I'm at. I don't think there's much more we can say with the defense because they didn't play anybody. But I think on offense right now, the big question is what is going on with this offensive line in terms of ceiling, and is this, is this set? Because Alabama, I've got Alabama-Texas on my TV as we're recording this, and they're starting a left tackle who's a freshman. And they've done it in the past. So Josh Simmons is the starter right now, but could things change in the, in the future? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But right now, Josh Simmons has not done anything to make me feel like that left tackle job is so secure that Zen Maholsky, Luke Montgomery, or Tegra Shibola can't continue to battle that and maybe take that job one day. And on defense, we're two weeks into this. The cornerbacks have been great. Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers are Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. Sonny Styles is everything we thought he was going to be, and he continues to progress year by year. We were talking about, Nathan, how he easily could have had a targeting call today, but he did everything right and ended up still blowing the play up. And Lathan Ransom is just being Lathan Ransom. The defensive line has not been good. It hasn't been bad. But it hasn't been good either when you look at the recruiting prowess that is on that defensive line right now. Yeah, and I, one of my preseason sort of predictions was that this team probably goes as long as the defensive line takes it. Mm-hmm. Goes as far as the defensive line takes it. If the defensive line's great, then this team can be great. If this defensive line is kind of eh or just fine, then I, I think it's it's more vulnerable. And I, I want to make an analogy here. It's It's everyone's favorite analogy. I used to cover... A, a basketball team that's known for just bringing in like seven footers like they're uh, growing on trees. And the goal there is always to, you know, seven foot guys, those guys aren't playing 30 some minutes a game, right? They're mm-hmm. playing some portion of the game. And the goal there is that getting multiple of those guys, you've only got one position to really play them at. So then those 40 minutes are the best center in the Big Ten or the best center in the country, whatever you think you can attain at that time. And I think that's what Ohio State might be able to do at this nickel position. It's like some combination of Sonny Styles and Jordan Hancock there mm-hmm. makes that nickel spot the best in the Big Ten or the best beyond that, maybe. Like that's that's I think attainable for this team potentially. If they're just if they're willing to go down that road and be smart about it. And Jim Knowles last year, when he first got here, was like, eh, I don't know. I don't really like to, to switch guys around in the in the back end. But I think this is part of the adaptation to the talent load that he has at Ohio State is that a guy can be great and be the best guy in balance to start there and play the most snaps. But there might be a guy who situationally needs to play a lot because he completes the picture. 
you're trying to find the 11 best 60 minute performances on either side of the ball. And if it takes two guys to do that, so be it. So Ohio State won 35 to 7. I have no idea how to feel about it. We will find out more about this defense next week. We will also find out whether or not Kyle McCord will be named the official full-time starter on Tuesday when we're back in the Woody. 614-350-3315. If we find that information out, the first place you're going to find it out from us is through text. Before we write a story, before we do a video, before we do a pod, it'll be through the text. So sign up for the text. Two-week free trial. Great time to do it. Great time to do it. That'll wrap up this post-game pod. As I said, Ohio State won 35 to seven then we'll be back at home next weekend to play western kentucky in the final of what's been this three game quote-unquote preseason before they get to the real football against notre dame a week from a week from next saturday so for nathan baird and for andrew gillis i'm stephen means and that was buckeye talk